Now entering Nerdist.com. It's the Nerdist Writers Panel on the Nerdist Podcast Channel. Ben Blacker talking writing with writers. Writers talking writing can get pretty exciting. But talk can be enlightening. It's very rarely frightening. Ben Blacker talking writing with writers. Welcome to the Nerdist Writers Panel Series, an informal chat about writing and the business and process of writing. Each and every panel benefits A26LA, the national nonprofit tutoring program. For more information on A26LA, visit A26LA.org. I'm your moderator, Ben Blacker. Follow me on Twitter, at Ben Blacker. I'm the co-creator of the Thrilling Adventure Hour stage program and the style of old-time radio, available as a podcast on iTunes and via Nerdist.com. Uh, I've written for the series Super Ninjas and Supernatural. Okay, this is a very special edition of the Nerdist Writers Panel podcast. I'm sitting here with my own writing partner, Ben Acker, and another writing team, Aaron Ginsberg and Wade McIntyre. Thank you guys all for being here. Thank you for having us. Oh, Oh. after you. No, please. My pleasure. (laughs) Please, everyone talk at once. Uh, Will you introduce yourselves in turn and um, just briefly... Uh, tell us what you're working on these days. Sure. Should I start? Yeah. Uh, I'm Aaron Ginsburg, and uh, Wade and I are, uh, who you'll meet in a second, we are working on Fox's new show, The Finder, which will maybe airing, when you hear this, we'll find out. We air in January. January 12th. January 12th. Tune in to Fox. Okay. Uh, I'm Wade McIntyre. I am uh, Aaron's writing partner and working on the finder as well and uh writing you, some feature projects yeah are we going to be able to talk about that a little bit we don't have to get into specifics but i think so i think we can allow it let's get okay. in let's get into specifics all right that's aaron and wade i'm ben acker i'm a writing partner and I'm, <laughs> what are we working on what are we working on well we have our hit stage show every month sure a podcast about it we have a podcast uh, about our hit stage show and we're this will be out next week so we have a lot of things going on in January with Sketchfest, uh, San Francisco Sketchfest, and that kind of thing. Wet Hot American Summer adaptation. Supernatural. We're just coming off of Supernatural. Right. Um, Tune in Friday. Is it something? And and gearing up to take out stuff, which we'll talk about also, I think, a little bit. Um, but Aaron and Wade, you guys are on the Finder right now, which is the Bone spinoff, and. Take us a little bit. This is where, you know, the idea of this is to do sort of a year in review, but take us through where you were last January. Um, because you got the finder. This is the first year on the show and you got it during staffing season, right? That's right. Uh, where were you last January? You were good. Good guys was over. You guys had worked on the Fox show. Good guys. Yes. The good guys had ended around, I think it was like November of the year before. And so we were in, as the year started, we were, uh, pretty much waiting for staffing season uh, mm-hmm. to go out. Um, in the meantime, I went to Bogota, Colombia to produce a burn notice uh, movie of the week. Oh, right. Uh, which was like January and February. It was the uh, the prequel um, about Bruce Campbell's character, The Fall of Sam Axe. Um, and so while, we, while I was there, I was there for a couple months producing that. And uh, Wade and I were working on a sort of at that same time working on a uh, pilot that we were writing. Basically, we were gearing up for gearing staffing up. season, trying to be as prepared as possible. And um, slightly complicating that process was our agent uh, retiring from the business, oh, right. which is not a great way to prepare for staffing season. Um, when did he leave? Up, when did he retire? It was um, 
right around that time. Yeah, Aaron January, was, I think. Okay. Aaron was in some made-up country in, in <laughs> South America uh, at the time, so it was a little tricky um, to go on like agent meetings by myself and just say, hey, Aaron, trust me, these guys are cool. Oh, that's so bizarre. But uh, we ended up um, landing with some agents that we had known, and basically our boss's agent, and it, it sort of worked out, and we had... We finished up our spec and headed into the sort of staffing process. Hmm. I want to ask just quickly about the spec that you were working on. Was that meant to be a sample or was it a thing that you guys were going to take out before staffing season or should you not get staffed? It started as uh, an idea we'd had that we wanted to write regardless of what it was going to be sort of used for. Like the, the plan was we really liked the idea. We wanted to to write something that was like our own voice uh, we could just do. So we started out as that, and then as as what was it? Can you talk about it? Yeah, it was a, it was a, a show called Snitch, mm-hmm. an hour long, um, that was sort of inspired by an actor we'd worked with on The Good Guys, and we kind of were like in, in a dream world where we could just make a show and have him as the lead. What would that show be? And that you know it started as that sort of uh, you know flight of fancy, and then turned into a a sample that we were going to use and then uh, sort of, you know, solidly landed in a thing we are trying to sell. Mm-hmm. So an actual piece of, you know, an actual property. Mm-hmm. Are you, you're currently trying to sell it? Uh, yeah. We, we've been... Will you oh. buy it? <laughs> that's, that's actually why we're here today. I'm to willing to hear the pitch. So far, all I've heard is it potentially stars an actor. Yeah. <laughs> sold in the room. Yeah. <laughs> we're keeping it somewhat vague, you know, on purpose. Uh, all right. So you were working on that while Aaron was in Colombia. Uh, tell us how, how do you guys usually work and how was it different in that time? Because I think you guys work as a team differently than we do. Yeah, I'll be curious to hear how you guys work as a team. The way we normally do it is is we will break the story pretty detailed. We'll spend a lot of time uh, together working out all the big moves and, you know, by the end of the process, our outlines are usually really, really detailed. Um, and as a result, we can sort of split up scenes uh, haphazardly. It's like wherever, hmm. uh, you know, wherever we are, we can say, you take these scenes, I'll take, you know, these scenes. And, and we'll both know exactly what, we'll, what that scene should theoretically mm-hmm. look like unless there's like a moment of, uh, you know, like it changes on its own as it, you know, sometimes happens. But when, when you're breaking that outline, do you guys use... Are you on a board? Are you on computers? Um, What's the project? Does one of you write things down and the other doesn't? Or do you both write things down? How does that work? Uh, Aaron likes, I think, I'm, I'll speak for you. Yeah, please, uh, please, go for it. <laughs> In fact, for the rest of this uh, right. time here, I'd prefer if you did. I'll uh, see you guys later. <laughs> Aaron's favorite uh, writing position seems to be uh, sitting in front of the <laughs> computer and typing. And, and unless he's doing that, he can't really be writing. Mm-hmm. Whereas I like to be um, pacing around or lounging on a couch or <laughs> bouncing a ball off a wall or that kind of stuff. So we tend uh-huh. to end up in those uh, situations. Our last uh, project, which was um, a TV movie, uh, Home Alone 5, mm-hmm. uh, that we're writing right now. For that one, we um, basically went full-fledged into multicolored note cards and arts and crafts. Really? Yeah, and just uh, for every scene. Why did you do that one differently? Well, it was eight acts. It was a lot of act breaks Uh and a lot of characters, and we just wanted to, like, you know, keep all the balls in the air, as it were. The the real answer to that question is that we had free access to many note cards. (laughs) I mean, so many colors. Of a lot of different colors. How did you break down the colors? Did you Have you heard John Rogers talk about their uh, note carding on Leverage? No, I've it's heard it a amazing. little bit. I'm jealous of it. It's I, amazing. Check I want to be in the the leverage room just to see their note card. Work. Yeah, I mean they. It's this 
elaborate process and very scientific. Uh, and we put out the podcast with John, I think, a week or two ago. And it's worth checking out. But so what did you guys use? Uh, we, how did you break down the note? We card? do, uh, you know, sort of like story. Like, so there was like an A story, uh, B story, C story. And then, well, you know. Each one gets a different color. Different color. Okay. But really, the process is, once we've talked about it a lot and just kind of bounced ideas around, we're like, okay, well, what do we know as a scene? Mm-hmm. And for each thing we know as a scene, we put it on a card and we try not to think about where in the movie mm-hmm. it goes at all. And then. After doing that a bunch, we end up with a big stack of scenes. And then it's like, okay, well, what about this one? That feels like, well, we know that's probably act one. And then the next one, we're like, well, it has to be at the end. And they're like, well, this one has to be in between those two. And eventually things kind of land theoretically in the right spot. And usually there's like a giant gaping hole where act four is supposed to be. And you're like, oh, that's probably a sign that of where we should concentrate our attention for <laughs> writing. How do you guys uh, work? Well, he's he allowed to ask questions. Ben Acker, <laughs> I'm asking you. We tend to uh, outline the hell out of things together, and then one of us or the other takes the first pass. It's usually me, mm-hmm. um, unless it's something new. Uh, and then we go back and forth. Yeah, but that outlining process is sort of similar to theirs, where like we'll sit down at the coffee shop or whatever, uh, or you know, in the office when we have the office, and and break it down as much as we can although it sounds like we break things down in a much looser way yes. than they do yeah um so but i'm curious uh you know when when you're breaking this thing while aaron's out of town were you had you broken it before he left this pilot the pilot um yeah we didn't have to work too much while aaron was gone okay uh, I, that was just the the sort of the mad agent scramble that I was having to do oh, okay. more business type things. As far as writing things, we've never written anything when we're not in the same country. <laughs> <laughs> and do you guys always write in the same room together? Not always. I mean, no. we we can and we have you know plenty of times. You know, mm-hmm. um, when we were just starting our last job, they asked us, "Do you want one room, one big room with two desks in it, or or two offices each with a desk?" And I was like, "Wait a minute." I didn't even know that was an option. <laughs> we what would you go one, for? We, we, well, one room with two desks in it, because that's always the way we've worked. And, you know, and yeah. uh, it seem, would seem weird to be like going down the hall to talk to your writing partner. But people do seem to do that. Yeah, totally. I will say we won that that battle of the office because we, you know, that our office turned out to be really awesome. <laughs> And the office was a double two, wide. This is a double. It really is. It's like really, it's gigantic. And then the one with two, the two offices with you know one desk each. Kind of small. Yes. I'm saying we made the right call now. <laughs> um, let's talk just very quickly about uh, this TV movie, um, the uh, USA movie that you did. You went down to work on Sam Ax as a producer. Yes. How were you empowered to do this? Who do you think you are? Uh, Follow up question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, what it was is that Matt Nix, who created Burn Notice, he uh, had set up this deal to do a, a prequel of Bruce Campbell's character and due to just the natural, you know, Hollywood stuff, it got kept getting pushed back and back uh, as they worked on contracts and stuff and it ended up landing right when he needed to be running the room for the next season of Burn Notice. So he all of a sudden wasn't able to go down and oversee this this uh, film. So he asked all of the Burn Notice writers individually, I think probably one by one, would they want to go down to Bogota, Colombia for about three months and produce this thing for him? And they all said no. 
they would rather stay in in nice, warm uh, Glendale, California, and work on the next season of Burnout. And no, no one wanted to leave the room for that long because mm-hmm. you would be basically taking yourself sure. out of the uh, creative room. So they, uh, he just went when he was out of people. I was I was in Trader Joe's. Uh, you know, <laughs> buying groceries and a phone rang and I, I, I was mad and I answered and he said, do you want to go down to Columbia and produce this thing for me? Because I said, I need to check out and I'll I'll call you from my car. Right? <laughs> Just think about this for a second. Basically, Aaron was someone that was uh, trustworthy enough to Matt to you know be entrusted with this job, yet not so valuable that Matt wasn't <laughs> willing to risk losing him into the jungle or have him be kidnapped by drug smugglers. When when I agreed, I think we all feel that way about Aaron. <laughs> when I agreed to do it, I was I was uh, told I'd have a bodyguard. Oh, right. uh, the whole time, uh, but so you when, did it just for that? Uh, no, but when I got down there, it turns out no the the director got a bodyguard and the lead actor Bruce got a bodyguard, and I could stand near their bodyguard. I could I could How share. Close could you stand? I can get bodyguard. pretty close. Yeah, they, I can't get that close. Right. I mean, that's I, my question. They, I, I could I could you know if things went wrong, I could I could duck behind them. I suppose. When the producers are making the budget for a film, the line item. Bodyguard for writer is like the first one. He just slaps that right <laughs> it off. It doesn't even make not. it on the list. Yeah, it's totally gone. So what were your responsibilities on this film? Because uh, you uh, for, And also, we should point out that you guys were, what, staff writers on Good Guys? Yes. Uh, this is sort of a big responsibility to hand over to someone. I mean, you guys knew Matt otherwise. Right. But this is a big responsibility, and it's a big step up from things you had been doing before. The The way that Matt runs his shows is that he basically empowers the writers regardless of your of your level to be a producer so on the good guys uh, as with burn notice he when it's your episode you are in charge of it you're casting it you're you're working with the line producer to make the to board it to make Hmm. the schedule to make sure that the locations uh are what you need them to be and any script changes that need to come out of you know we you know which happen all the time like oh we can't shoot both scenes in this one location, you have to change something like all that stuff. Matt basically wants his writers to be in charge of because it makes you realize it makes you a better writer when you when the buck stops at you and you have to like make a episode of television. Sure, you're not just sort of like coddled in your office and saying why can't they do you know a slow speed chase? It's, <laughs> it's so easy. The cameras aren't even moving fast, and it's like when you have to actually produce that, you realize why wow, you have to cut that scene from one of our episodes of The Good Guys. Uh, so moving on to, to do this movie of the week, it was just a massive version of an episode of television. It was just <laughs> the same responsibility. So it was being the director's eyes and ears, you know, making sure that any questions he had about the script, I could either handle or address with Matt so that Matt could make any changes that needed to be uh, made and then casting it and picking locations. And it's just, you know, mm-hmm. Those levels, the, that, then those things. You also took it on yourself to do the uh, bonus features, right? Yes. Well, they, they had. Well, <laughs> someone at, at, at uh, FTVS had asked if if I would do basically do like a behind the scenes thing, mm-hmm. and uh, and I had said no at first because it was it was just too much work to be done down there. And then I had an idea to do the. I was like, well, if I could write it, if I could be, if I could, if it could be funny, <laughs> then I then I'd be interested. So I. What did they what? What did they approach you with? What did they want you to do? They wanted me just be, run around with a camera. Yeah, or well, they well they had given me a crew. It was like a, a three or four person crew, mm-hmm. and they wanted me to just because the actors tend to like me. I get along very well with actors. That they wanted me to get um, Bruce Campbell and Jeffrey Donovan to do interviews that mm-hmm. they could use because they won't do 
They both are kind of like <laughs> they they won't do them otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, you know, to his credit, Jeffrey Donovan wouldn't do any on on the behind the scenes movie that I did. Oh, that's true. Um, but, but you use that. But I and I told him as I, my my thing was going to be making him look like a crazy tyrant <laughs> uh, who'd lost his mind in the jungle. And he said, "Well, I'm not going to do any interviews for you." And I go, "Perfect. That sounds great." <laughs> You just do whatever you need to do. I'm going to film you and then make it look like you're crazy. That's great. Uh, and he actually enjoyed it. He and actually, it's really funny. Yeah, he, he actually really had a good time. And it's on the DVD. Right? Yes. Have you gotten feedback from Yeah, people it? love it. Yeah. That's awesome. It's awesome. And you get to see Bruce Campbell really like chew the scenery. Like yeah. he's really, really funny in all the interviews. Absolutely. How do you get along so well with actors? You're really good at that. I always love you. I don't. I don't <laughs> is it infuriating? No, it's not infuriating. Okay. I'm just, I'm just jealous. I'm, I'm too scared to talk to them. I think so that's that's I the skitter, first. I skitter away when, when the beautiful people approach. <laughs> that's the first step. Is you, just, you can't be afraid of them. They can sense fear. Yeah. So if you're afraid, then it's. Are you are you intimidated to talk to them? Because uh, you guys are on set on both the shows you've worked on. You've been on set, and you know. You know what it is? is I always feel like you know there there are some. My natural inclination is to over control anything and everything that I can. Um, you know, I've already written the script, which is about as much control as you can have. And then you get to the set and like, I mean, I can hear every line the way I can hear it and I can stage it. Like I'm already kind of directing it in my head, but somebody else who's been, uh, you know, a lot more experienced than I am and, uh, has been paid handsomely. <laughs> and as you know, I think, uh, union wise, you know, supposed to be the one directing these people. So <laughs> I always feel like I'm just like the extra cook in the kitchen that might, uh, spoil the broth so i kind of i, I don't want to talk I my, my my way of resisting the urge to direct the thing is to just to hide mine is just to be subtle about it so i'll say i'll, I'll go and like correct a line reading by just saying like oh i think you, mean, you were saying this wrong because and then whatever my explanation is is really just direction hidden and in a correction of a line you'll you'll go to the actors and do that yeah so you'll bypass the director. Well, normally the way it works, you know, everything that we've worked on, I've, I, I, the first during the prep of an episode, you, you know, I've made it, uh, and, and so have you actually, Wade. We've really worked on forging a relationship with the director of that episode mm-hmm. because they are the person who's going to deliver what you wrote. Like you want them to be on your side, and so the first seven days, like that prep, is just f- learning what they want to do, learning what they like, um, becoming <laughs> friends with them, so that when you get to the set. If I have a moment where I'm like, oh, this actor is not not realizing this moment needs to land a different way, and that usually I don't, have never run into a problem where a director would be feel like I'm even stepping on their toes, you know, mm. like it's not ever meant That's to great. be subversive, even though it's fun to sort of joke about it. It's meant to be a team where you, this director and you are really sure. sort of in the battle to get the way TV works now. It's the schedule is so crazy. Like you just have to there has to be more people making it happen. You know, mm-hmm. like they expect the, the networks expect so much for so few hours of filming. Yeah. There seems to be like a skill that I'm only now learning, which is the being able to give your comments to the director while you're on the set in a way that's helpful because mm-hmm. the director of course has a million people answering to them and they're making hundreds of decisions and you have to kind of pick your moments uh, to say, Hey, you know, I always imagined this, beat would be something different or here's an idea for a joke or, or whatever your suggestion is going to be. It's all about the timing, I think, because um, if you, if you time it wrong, the last, you know, the last thing you want to do is be a part of the problem instead of a part of the solution. And if you're giving, you're giving the director, you know, uh, notes on, you know, you said, and instead of the, can we get him to say the right line at the same time that he's more worried about 
whether or not he's going to make his day or whether or not they're going to, where the camera's going to move or what, right. or what, what have you. So I think, we're, I think we're getting better at it. And like what Aaron was talking about, the trick is establishing some credibility with the director and proving that you're not kind of an idiot so that mm-hmm. when you do talk, um, you're worth stopping the process for the director to, to listen to you. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very interesting. It never occurred to me that you could use that prep week as a way to build yourselves a team. Yeah. You know, that you guys are all ostensibly on the same side by the end of that week. Yeah, and there's, and there's so many moments that, you know, like we will know a script really well because sure. we wrote it, and the director will know it really well because he's been studying it. And yet mm-hmm. there's those moments where all of a sudden you're doing a scene, and it, and by no fault, but, you know, by no one's fault, the, the director has mis, misread, like, how the scene needs to start mm-hmm. or doesn't realize where in the episode, you know, where, you know, this is actually the, the middle of the middle of the episode rather than the beginning and it's just a a a momentary brain they have so many decisions they're making and so to be the person there to say i'm here to help you and not to thwart you Mm -hmm. and that is established during the prep for sure for us at least that's great and we've actually been really fortunate we've liked all of the directors we've worked with um and then they all have very different strengths and bring a whole new set of like the the way they they approach directing you know Mm -hmm. it's all different for Mm -hmm. the director so sure uh, Ben, where where were we last year at this time or in January? I genuinely don't remember. Yeah, no, we had <laughs> sold two things, right? We, I think we were finishing up our USA deal. Yeah, and then but it was Super Ninjas and shot, Shotgun? This is the first time I've ever seen someone interview themselves and also <laughs> not know the answers. <laughs> Uh, we're two guys so, wait, who can't remember things we, as I, a team. It, it was only twelve months ago. I know we did. We've done a lot of things. No, in this past was, year, though. we totally went into Super Ninjas. Okay, and, so Super Ninjas was yeah. starting up. That's the Nickelodeon show. Yeah, we did a freelance episode of that. Could you, could you talk about how that works? Like, did you pitch them uh, the idea for your episode? Did they bring it to you and say, "We need one where they're extra super"? <laughs> a, a little bit of both. We we um, had met them when they were staffing. They liked our our sample, but they didn't. They couldn't bring us in for uh, to get staffed there. So they uh, they they threw us a freelance, and they it was basically like we came up with a list of five ten uh, mm-hmm. villain ideas, episode ideas per like their instruction, mm-hmm. and went in and pitched them, and they landed on one. Said okay, work on that, and then we did, and then we went in and we got to be in in their room, which was neat. So you actually broke that episode in the room with them? Yeah, we yeah oh, that's we, cool. we yeah we soft broke it ourselves and then went in the room, uh, and it all changed. Yeah, the the nature like the the plot and the villain like everything about the episode changed a few times yeah. as we were in the room. But they were also just sort of starting their year. Yeah. They were kind of figuring out how their room worked. Mm-hmm. So it was part of we we were suddenly thrown into their learning process, mm-hmm. uh, which was. It would have been maddening if they weren't a great group of people, <laughs> but they were really, they were cool and like they were open to ideas and, you know, they, they really And they came, I mean, over the show. course of the, the, our time in the room, Yeah, I don't know if, <laughs> if they recorded this stuff, but it felt like they had come up with 10 different episodes of their show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, so we were there for two, two days in their room mm-hmm. uh, and then we didn't hear anything else. Was that in January? That was in January, I That's think. Not, yeah, it sounds right. And then we didn't hear from them until... May, hmm. uh, and that's when we wrote the episode. That's right. It was after we were staffed on Supernatural. It was, it was like sh- within sh- our first <laughs> two weeks, right? Yeah. yeah, first week. Yeah, 
That's when both of the main things, it was pipeline was the other thing. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. What is pipeline? Pipeline is a pilot that someone else sold to Spike and then contracted us to write. And it was a little bit eastbound and down and a little bit rock and roll. And that happened. And it was a strange process also because yeah. it was uh, Spike wasn't doing any more scripted shows. Uh, it, within the process that we were doing this, uh, like over those four months or whatever it was, uh, Spike said, we're not doing any more scripted shows, but they had this guy for three pilot scripts, um, one of which we were writing. And uh, so that kind of cast a pall over the whole thing. Did he, did this guy, so he sold a pitch idea. Mm -hmm. What did he give you to work off of to write this pilot? He gave us his pitch and then we outlined it and then he re-outlined it. And we went, <clears throat> excuse me, we went back and forth on that. And then it was a lot of quiet. And then in May, <laughs> of course, they called us back and said, okay, here's the outline. Uh, write the pilot. Like the outline has been approved. Everybody's cool with it. Right. And then we, we wrote that pilot. I didn't remember it being so late in the year. That's it was right. right when other things started. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, but yeah, it was a weird situation because, you know, it wasn't our pilot, so we didn't feel a lot of ownership about it, but it was a potentially fun project to write. Uh, the guy whose pilot it was had two other pilots, one of which was going elsewhere. And so he didn't feel a ton of ownership of it. He didn't feel like there was a lot riding on it. It was a very strange situation. And he was a character. I mean, the, the biggest thing was that this guy was totally an Aaron Sorkin character. Like the producer was the smartest guy in the room and he didn't give, he didn't care. Like he was just a, a bit of a bully in a, Hey, watch this, watch how I treat these people kind yeah. of way. It was Which is kind of great. Yeah. Like to have that guy watching your back and to be the person that the notes go through. Like we sat with him when we got the spike notes, they went to this producer and then to us. And he was like, he would, he would translate with a, yeah. We don't give a shit. Yeah, throw that out. Throw that out. Keep this. <laughs> do this. I like this. So yeah, yeah. It was it was very interesting, and everyone kind of knew that the pilot wasn't going to go anywhere because <laughs> Spike wasn't doing scripted shows. Yeah, it's strange it was, to be working on a pilot you know will never yeah see the light of day. Yeah, yeah. And I th but I think also in January we were wrapping up our USA half hour. Yeah, right? they were on the heels because we had to get the permission from USA to oh that's right to not be in second position with Spike. That's right. So, yeah, we had just finished a year of working with the USA yeah. on two different pilots. Uh, so, and, and we didn't have to generate anything new for staffing season, right? We executed the one pilot that we didn't have to write. Oh, that's right. We did that. We had, we Can you had, be more specific? <laughs> nope. Uh, I don't want this getting out there. But, uh, no, we had, um, we sold an hour-long uh, show to USA at the beginning of the previous year. And then midway through the process, they bought the rear rights to modern family. So they wanted a companion piece for half hours. So they switched our thing over. So we delivered a half hour pilot, but we'd outlined the hour. So the rest, of which the are year, two, two totally different shows, totally different shows. Uh, so we spent the rest of the year on the half hour and came out of the process with a strong half hour pilot that we mm -hmm. like. And then we had the outline for the hour. So we wrote that too, so that we could be considered for staffing season for both hour longs and half hours. Yeah. Prior to this year, we had only ever gone out for half hours during staffing season. And it was a concerted effort this year to double our chances. And, you know, it looked like sitcoms were dead uh, at the, uh, as of last year. Yeah, that's crazy. They're back now, apparently. <laughs> Seem to be pretty big right now. They got better. 
<laughs> they did get better. Um, so yeah, we I, that's right. We we wrote that pilot as something to show. That said, it was our same sample that got us every job. Yeah. That uh, our got old, us old our current pilot job. got us our current. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us about yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say that that's a lot of development stuff that you guys have done. Like, do you find that you're are you writing the show that you want to write and then looking for a network for it? Or are you sort of saying, okay, here's what the net, this network wants to X and this network wants Y. I'm going to write a US, you know, something that'll be great for USA or something that'll be great for FX or, you know, does that make any sense? It's a mix. Yeah. yeah I mean, we've kind of done it both ways. Yeah. We, um, when we went in, when we had the meeting with, um, initially, what was it? Um, NBC universal. Yeah. NBC universal. It was, they had seen which, this is what happens to us. They, we had a spec and it goes out for staffing and people want to develop instead of staff us. So this was another one like that. Where well, you can you can get specific about that too. It's we wrote a spec that gets sent out that is a workplace comedy about kidney thieves. Right. That you guys have read. Yes. Uh, and we've this has served us for years as a sample. Uh, and it's a thing that people read when we go in for staffing. Like that was for Eureka, right? Yeah, it was the Eureka people. Yeah, because yeah. it was NBC Universal. So we mm-hmm. went in to be considered for staffing, and they said, we love this. What else do you guys have? And we had come up with this notion. I had watched a lot of Burn Notice, and we had come up with, you know, instead of a spy, it's a thief, and instead of fired, he's retired, and he's pulled back into the life. So mm-hmm. it felt like a USA show, uh, and we were going to the people that su- supply USA shows, so let's pitch that thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, you know genre the way we like and character the way we like so stuff we wanted to write but it was the opportunity to pitch to them it's like well let's dig out this idea mm-hmm. uh, so a mix i find the whole process sort of baffling like i feel like if we if we ever pitch something that seems exactly like it would be on you know usa then they'll say well that's just too much like the shows we already have but if you pitch something that's not exactly like what they already have, it's like, well, that's not on our brand. Mm-hmm. And I, I've never quite been able to, to square that circle. This reminds me of uh, – this goes back, if you recall, to the – like when we used to pitch, we went into VH1. Oh, yeah. And they had asked us to bring in a bunch of ideas for VH1. And we spent a week or two coming up with three shows that we thought were awesome and they were all based on music – Music. This, was, this was a long time ago. This was back when VH1 had music. <laughs> Maybe I'm aging, aging us by even mentioning VH1 existing. Yeah. But, uh, it, yeah, but we went in there and we pitched. We, we, were, we actually liked the three ideas and they were music kind of related. And we sat down in this meeting and said, here's, you know, we, we have some ideas we can't wait to share. And the executive says, well, before we started, I have to say we don't want anything to do with music. We just want to. We just nothing. To, nothing to do with music. And we were like, "Oh no!" Like everything we brought in is music. So we so we literally were holding maybe five sheets of paper yes. with our ideas on it, and you could just see us take four of them and set them to the <laughs> side, and then pitch the last one, which still had music in still it, music. just like the least amount <laughs> right. of music. Um, it was a ten minute long meeting, seriously, and then sure. we left, and they didn't validate our parking. That's true. We, <laughs> we could not get out of the uh, parking lot because it was like you know it was, fifteen dollars for every twenty minutes or whatever. Like it, it was like a, it was a late meeting in the day, so the receptionist had already gone home. No one knew oh, where the stickers were. No, and we, so we paid we paid seven dollars and fifty cents, which seemed like a lot of money at the time. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, I remember you saying when, when our ideas start costing us money, we've done something wrong. <laughs> Yeah, we. Ha- it's funny. Like, I feel like Ben and I have talked about this recently. Like, when it comes to now that kind of meeting, it's so much trouble. 
you know, we want it's we've sort of gotten to a point where we want to chase down the things that we want to do. You know, that what we the way we've done pitching now has shifted a little bit where we can say, okay, these are the two shows we want to take out this year. Where do they go? Where yeah, where do they go? It's not our job to figure out where they go because especially in the past couple of years Everywhere we meet says, well, this has been our mandate, but it's very open or we're changing or we don't yeah. really know what it is. We had to meet at Disney like every, <laughs> every week for a while because yeah. their mandate kept changing every week. Yeah. And, at Disney Channel. Yeah. And they love a organ harvesting script. <laughs> Which like they were great. The execs we met were great, but it became, do we want to go and do a Disney show? No, we don't want to be tied up with that. Even if it's. Even if it's a show that goes a year, we don't want to be tied up with it. You know, it's not what it's not why we got into this business. It's not what we want to do. And it's I don't know. It's a thing I've sort of learned through these panels, which is what keeps coming up is do the thing you want to do, you know, and then it'll come. The I would, success will come. Yeah, I would definitely watch a a show about kidney thieves. I like that script a lot. <laughs> Let's do it. We guys. do too. Yeah, every meeting we go to, someone says that. Yeah. I would watch it. Uh, sorry. So can you put it on? Yeah. No? All right. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, I was going to ask, I don't know. What I was going to Wade, ask. do you have another question? <laughs> that was a good one. Oh no, I know what I was going to ask. Uh, tell me about the, your staffing season. What was it like this year? Oh, move into February, you guys. <laughs> That's not February. Uh, our staffing season this year was, well, we had, because of the, as we mentioned earlier, our agent retiring. Yeah. We ended up with a new agency. So, you know, it was, it was our first staffing season. Yes, that's true. Uh, was it? Yeah. Yeah. How so? Well, we like to skip them. <laughs> Where we, did you just take vacations during that time? Yeah. We get out of town for a while. It's well, I mean, we, we existed during that. <laughs> it was the first time that we had like an agent putting us out and doing, taking the, all the meetings. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, we we got in the job and the good guys, it was kind of off right. season. It was more like we had this one connection that we finally got. Mm-hmm. a break on so this was the first time where it's like okay you're gonna you know the agent's gonna try to make you meet everybody that you can and read all the the you know the pilots and and, <laughs> and that kind of thing um so in years previous had you were there attempts to get staffed or what was the career goal or were you just kind of putting out material or trying to put out material there was never a uh, an effort to avoid staffing season, <laughs> which is smart. Uh, but I would say, that, you know, for many years out here, we were we were working, uh, you know, making reality programming oh, and right. all, all sorts of other garbage, and we're trying to get into staffing season. And we our reps basically, when you have reps that make money off you, and you're in the reality television world, they will say, "Oh, we'll definitely put you up for all sorts of scripted shows." But they're not going to do that because then they don't. Then another agent gets that hmm. commission. You know, like it's or some whatever the the bragging rights are. They didn't want us to leave the reality television wing of of the agency. Oh, um, really so it was really it was hard to get you know break away from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we only had got into that because it was like you know if we're going to be working a day job while we get into scripted, might as well be producing television versus working in an office. You know, mm-hmm. which is, you know, or being a tour guide or whatever. Like, we felt like at least it's making television. Right. 
Um, it turns out it actually kind of was a little bit of a kind of put us into a rut for a few years there. The, uh, I thought we did have one other staffing season that we were involved with, which was when we, we came out of the Warner Brothers comedy writing workshop. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. And which was which was fun. We had our spec that we wrote in the workshop. It was like a 10 week workshop. And the way it's set up is that it's essentially free to the show to hire you because this workshop right, right. is going to pay the money. So we took a few meetings in the situation where they can hire us and it will cost them nothing. <laughs> and we did not get hired. <laughs> Which Do you is, remember you know, what shows you, you met on? Uh, we, we met, met on a show called, what was the Philgo show? Happy Town? No, Happy Endings. No, Happy Something. <laughs> it had the word happy in it. But it's Neither not around anymore. Um, it, was not, it, did not, it did not last. Happy Hour. Happy hour. Yes. yes. I got it. That oh, was geez. the closest one because they met with us and they were like, boy, you know, <laughs> we just read your spec. We loved it. We read the first act. We put it down and we were like, you know, we should hire these guys. But unfortunately, we were already fully staffed. So if anyone, you know, gets sick. Right. Die, yeah. you know, <laughs> if anyone fall, should have an accident. If a staff writer should fall into a well <laughs> or become lost at sea. Oh, my God. Um, I think <laughs> they might so have hired us. And then we also met on another show we were only meeting on warner brothers shows because that's yes. part of this, yeah, yeah. the program right and, and i can't we have there's a debate uh, about what happened in that meeting uh-oh but my memory of it is that uh wade <laughs> mentioned that his wife was also a writer in the wv <laughs> writers program with us which she was and is a great writer and they uh hired her instead <laughs> how is that debatable <laughs> Who could debate that? I think the it debate seems unassailable. is unassailable. It is. What's the debate? All, I don't all know. of that. All of that is true. I think they would have hired her anyway. They would have hired her anyway. Yeah. That's the part that Aaron is leaving out. I think we had a shot. <laughs> I had my bases covered though. Whichever got it's hired, true. you I was were going to get half the money. That's what I'm saying. He wasn't fighting for it. You know. <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, you were fine. That was but after a self-preservation, after a staffing season, which hiring with us was free and we didn't get staffed. <laughs> It was like a, that was a that was a sad day. We decided to take. A, it turns out it's not easy to get into the television business. As no, it turns out. no, it turns out. <laughs> yeah, we sort of left that staffing season with the the plan to get into it a different way, which is mm-hmm. forgetting staffing and instead uh, using people we knew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you put that in such a delicate way. Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, like like connections, turning like, them out. Yeah. Pouring <laughs> out our friends. No, like you know, using our connections and sure. really, uh, for, you know, forging relationships that could ultimately lead to jobs mm-hmm. in a more active way. In a way that I, when we came out here, I honestly avoided doing because it kind of, at the time, it put such a bad taste in my mouth. And mm-hmm. I was like, I don't, I really believed, you know, like a meritocracy, like talent should be uh, important when it comes to, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, occupation that is artistically based for <laughs> talent seems to be important. You're so uh, naive. I know. Well, I've now, I've now, uh, you know, I'm older and corrupt now. So, <laughs> but I would imagine those, you know, forging those personal relationships, personal creative relationships were more satisfying anyway. Yes. It does seem to me that there's basically the hiring process in television goes like this. The showrunner step one, they're going to hire their friends that they know and trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as soon as if they'll call them all up and say, Hey, are you busy? Can you do this? for whatever level they need. And then if somebody if at that particular level is not available, has another job or says no, then they sort of go into the stack of scripts, which is basically people that are like vetted by the studios and the agents. And, you know, they go through mm-hmm. all these people that they don't know. I think you skipped one step. And, uh, 
Yes. Which is if that person's not available, they say, well, do you recommend anybody? Oh, yeah. That's true. Of, of, yeah. Since you can't do it, is there someone you've worked with? So we had sort of realized that we could not get on that list of vetted official stack of scripts agent people because we didn't have an agent and no one cared who we were, um, even if we were free. So uh, <laughs> we were like, boy, you know, the only way this is going to work is if we know showrunners and that they think that we're good. Mm-hmm. So we tried to do and meet showrunners in creative ways, which actually um, is how we got the job, really. Yeah. How um, did you go about meeting showrunners in creative ways? Aaron should do it because he's the one that actually did it. I'm really good at gardening. And so I put these flyers up. <laughs> no, <I'm just> kidding. <laughs> what, you just gave the one. Yeah. <laughs> Holiday parties. No, uh, what, what ended up happening was I was working for Script Magazine. Oh, right. Which I'm not sure what the future is of. It just They just announced they got bought by uh, Food and Wine or something. I don't know. Something like <laughs> it's that. a good fit. I know. Crazy, right? Uh, but I well, they're a magazine, so we know what the future of them yes. is. Yes, and you so, love food and wine. Yes, and scripts. So it seems like a good fit for me. But I've been writing uh, articles for them for a long time that were were straightforward articles about you know I'd interview Wes Anderson about some movie and or I'd interview whoever like and they did no TV because because they just you know it was like for a while their script magazine was f- uh, focused exclusively on screenwriters and and films. Hmm. And so I had pitched, like, we should do some TV stuff because that's kind of where I want to be working. Uh, and maybe it can help me. And so through a series of connections, I ended up doing an interview with Matt Nix. Uh, and I pitched this thing that was, like, you know, a, a more of a story rather than an interview. Kind of a, a you know, gonzo journalism. Like, mm-hmm. I was a character in the piece. And Matt Nix played himself but is also kind of a spy in the piece. And over the course of this article... Um, we both discuss how he writes and runs the burn notice room in a really educational, very cool way. Mm-hmm. And we break into the CIA, uh, and, you know, run from spies, you know, right. like it was like a shootout. And so it was kind of read like a narrative and yet it was actually like an educational thing. And, mm-hmm. and I, I, you know, we had a photo shoot where Matt got to dress up all like a, like a badass and. We blew up a building behind it. You know, like it's, it ended up being a really fun little piece. And then, you know, when Matt saw it, he was like, this is like literally like you've written the DNA of Burn Notice mm-hmm. into an article about the DNA of Burn Notice. And so he remembered that. And so sure. when it came time for hiring his next show, um, that was like, I think a huge, it was a huge help mm-hmm. to being considered. It wasn't the only thing, but it definitely was. Sure. Uh, and then our current job, uh, sort of oddly, uh, we got because I did the same thing with Hart Hansen. Mm-hmm. So uh, when it was, we finally oh, yeah, were in this, right. when we finally were in the staffing season conversation, you know, Hart knew Aaron from having collaborated on this script magazine feature and they'd already sort of had a vibe and they got mm-hmm. along and it's kind of like skipping the the yeah. meeting where you prove that you can wear pants. Yeah. You know, so they already knew that we weren't crazy. Yeah. And so it was always, you know, again, you know, they went to like, oh, well, who do I know that's at this level that I think might be a good fit? And, you know, it was a way to, to know people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ben, people talking. talk about our staffing season this year. Oh. There were so many bad comedies. <laughs> Some of them are on the air. But I recall specifically reading the New Girl script uh-huh. and not liking it at all. Because yeah. it struck me as being like the rest of those... Uh, the rest of those single people scripts that were out there. And now it's my favorite show. So I don't know anything is right. the moral of that story. Yes. You want me to tell that story? <laughs> <laughs> We've heard it. We've heard it now. Uh, 
No, our staffing season was uh, our first, really. And uh, oh, we went out. We went out last year quite a bit. We went out there for one show last year. No, we got close on one show last year. Question: Did yes. you guys for this year were you reading only the half hours, or were you reading both the half hours and the hours? That's a lot of scripts. We only read the hours. We were reading both. So I never read the New Girl script. We were reading both, but we mostly went out for half hours, right? This year? This year we went out for a bunch of both. So you were on going on both. Did we meet That's on hour shows? I can't yeah. remember. Oh, I we guess there's a bunch of those shows. CW shows. We met like the people. Yeah. We got on the we got vetted by the people <laughs> you're talking about vetting. So that was mostly what we did. Mm-hmm. Um Oh, we did get close on the one last year. Mm-hmm. When was Ugly Americans? Two years ago? I don't remember. All right. There's no way to know. There is. No you you guys know. have the worst memory of any writing team <laughs> I have ever seen. Our collective memory is terrible, but our individual memory is great. It's fascinating. <laughs> uh, we went out for a bunch of stuff. I was also moving, so I was busy. <laughs> was mm-hmm. that during staffing season? Yeah. Do you not know how that is relevant? <laughs> I don't either. Well, in terms of like what happened in staffing season, I had, like I had an issue with my landlord during staffing season. Uh, I found a place I wanted. I couldn't move into it during staffing season. These I had to drive stories. all the hell the way across town. All right. We met people. They We told the story of how our names are similar. It was great. We have a question for you guys. Do you guys have... I can't hear any more about this move. It's exhausting. <laughs> I got the place. He has 10 more minutes on it. Ugh. You sure you don't want to hear it? Where do you guys live? It's my, actually the basis for our next spec. I cannot even. <laughs> this my, new house. My question for you guys is, uh, as a writing team, you guys have a bunch of meetings. You're in those meetings together, mm-hmm. as Wade and I are. Do you find <laughs> well, that not, people not ask, <laughs> do you guys uh, get asked the same question, and do you have routines that you now perform to an- as answers that so you don't mean to. It's just evolved over the the years. Now it's like, oh, this is the how we met story, or this is the you know. We actually have a great new how we met story because we were burned out on telling the how we met story. So we had a meeting a how few did, weeks ago. Can I ask you guys, how did you meet? We met in college. That's the whole. No, no, story. Yeah, yeah, we, were the new... we were in a line. Oh, you're no, setting I'm, up the I'm new setting story. It. You guys are not terrible. performers. No, this is actually how it goes now. Is the person will ask us how we met, and I will start laughing. Yeah. Because Ben was pitching me a new. I pitched how the we met new story. how we met story because I was like, "Boy, in a line is a terrible story." We're sitting outside waiting to walk into a meeting when he when he tells and me. And this us. the morning of this meeting, I was like, "Oh." I should come up with the best, like, it should be the best. It should be, you know how the opening of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas is better than the whole rest of it. Like, <laughs> they should be, like, the thing. People are like, oh, they're how they met story is great. Their script's not so good. <laughs> Knowing them is bad. Whatever. But, like. Knowing like, them is bad. <laughs> whatever. But, like, that how we met story was the best. Like, I will keep them on forever. What was the story? How did you meet? We met in college. Yeah. No, that's, that's not, that's not so, no, Can we turn this, this mic off? <laughs> I'm turn off this, mic number two. We I'm want t- the answer from mic number four. I'm telling the story of the How We Met story, which is that I was like, it's going to be hard to make up. Right. How, like, if you sit down and go, what's the best story ever for How So It takes work. But being a writer is like, well, how can I just plug in the characters <laughs> to another good story? So I have a friend who has a great leaving town story. It's the best leaving town story ever. And there are two characters in it. And one is a coke addict and one is uh, a leg breaker for the mob. And it's like, <laughs> we could be those guys. Like, we could. that's the new How You Met story. Well, I think I know who the coke addict is. Right. <laughs> and I'm the leg breaker. So, so I come in and I'm like, He tells do you me think? this whole story. And it is, yeah, it's a... I'm not going to lie. It's a great story. So 
then he's like, uh, I will agree with everything that yeah, happened. Yeah, I said, I'm not going to be able to retain that when we go into the room because you just told it to me. But I will yes and the shit out of you. Mm-hmm. If you tell the story, I will embellish as we go through. So the guy comes in and he sits down and he goes, so how did you guys meet? <laughs> I looked at his goddamn face and I'm like, he might be able to keep it together, but I will not. <laughs> no. With him like knowing that I'm making it up. I think I speak so for... So we, we told that story instead. We told the story of how we, we don't have a it's good... It's become movie. very meta. Well, I think, I think that I speak for all of the listeners when I say you need to do it for real in an actual <laughs> meeting without laughing and yeah. then tell about it on one of these podcasts. Next time we go to Disney Channel, we'll do it. Because <laughs> we get asked the same question a lot. So I'm right. just curious if you guys have the same, you know. Yeah, no, I think you tend to get asked the same questions over and over. And when you're a partnership, it's how did you guys start writing together? It's, you know, where'd you grow up? And tell us about yeah. this other thing that you worked on. And you know. I think if you're by yourself in a meeting, you can choose what you want to say. And mm-hmm. any, but the, when you have someone else there, you're kind of like, well, great. If I lie, he's going to know. <laughs> oh, no. We still try to entertain each other. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it started the, 10 years ago when we started. Man, it was the worst having him there because I felt like uh, I cannot. Uh, I'm boring him. Like, <laughs> uh, like I, and I can't. You know how I am. I can't break out. <laughs> I can't do anything. Like, I felt like. We were there to, like, keep each other in check, and now we're here to entertain each other. Yeah. And, I mean, and that's what we try to do in a meeting is if we can entertain each other, generally the other person is having a good time. Yeah, we try not to get insular. (laughs) Right. Like, we we actually, I think we've talked about this with you guys before, that we pitch very differently than you pitch, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, we do not, we don't do a ton of planning. We know our material. We know the show, and we're enthusiastic and happy to talk about it but we try to make it very conversational with the person we're pitching to and you know as little as little presentation as we can do but you guys do it differently right you kind of made it sound like we do like a whole like song and dance number which (laughs) that is our understanding (laughs) you should well for you both have beautiful voices as i say we don't do a lot of singing there is a lot of dancing (laughs) no but you guys you guys plan it much more uh cohesively like ours is very loose and could go off the rails at any time ours is more like a like a script like we we know we have our lines that we're going to be saying you have actual lines well we'll take the outline and we'll say you say this paragraph i say this paragraph and then we memorize it Wow. Basically, and then obviously it changes. A little, you know, we try to make it conversational, mm-hmm. but we also, you know, I hear you guys use stopwatches. We do stop. Well, that was when we were pitching for to Spike. Actually, we were working with a, a third party, oh, right. a comedian who had never pitched before and didn't understand uh, just <laughs> how pitching worked. And so, um, talk about going off the rails. We were worried. I mean, who knows what could have happened with him in the room? And he's, he's very funny, but has no. Uh, Boundaries, really. So we, we, we basically... <laughs> that was good, though, because we were we had, like, you know, a three-page script that we were going by, and then you just had somebody in the room just trying to make everyone laugh, mm-hmm. which I think is good. It's it kind great. of a blend yeah. of the two different ways to do it. For, so especially you're pitching we, a comedy. Yes. Sure. That's what you want everyone laughing yeah, and having a great even time. Even if you pitching a drama, I think it would be... Maybe we should hire a comedian. To come <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Oh, then maybe just, we should hire. Conversation <laughs> keeps coming around. Okay. Uh, but... Just to be clear, like we have this three-page document that is our pitch, and we're going to learn what all the words on it. But when we say it, we try to create the illusion that we're saying it for oh, the of first course. time. Like it's, of it course. doesn't, it shouldn't, it shouldn't uh, sound like it's, it, it's written to be said aloud, not right. to be. No, it's not a, it's not a mammoth script. I mean, it's right. not. I, I, yeah, we shouldn't pick you going in with staccato punctuation, and you know, we don't, you know. 
act out lines and be characters. <laughs> although, just a do you, although we, we've, pitched, we've pitched with, uh, with Matt Nix <clears throat> a lot. So we're developing with him right now. And mm-hmm. he loves to act out I was gonna ask characters that. and scenes. So People love that. Yeah. He, and he's, he is very entertaining when he does it. Like He loves to do that. It's, it's definitely how he works. And in the room as well. That's how he really? – when, when you're breaking a scene, he will – as he's telling what he wants in, uh, from a character, but he that's will... in the context of like a really conversational kind of yes. thing. Oh, he sure. just, it illustrates a character by saying you know something that they might say. Yeah, or, you know you don't. Under no circumstances should you be doing a skit. He he likes to wear <laughs> costumes, like full costumes. I'm just kidding. No, that's not true. We do uh, that a little. Speaking of skits, yeah. <laughs> uh, that was how we sold our Nickelodeon show. Did you have puppets? No, but we basically oh, yeah. did a sketch. We brought in the people from the show. From Thrilling Adventure Hour. The stage show. I've heard of it. We threw to them. We're like, our show looks like this, it sounds like this, and here it is. Yeah, like we gave like a two-minute overview and then said, but, you know, to understand the characters and to know what the show is, watch this short presentation. That sounds a lot easier than what we do. It was so much easier. Yeah. And I- plus we had a whole, we came in with seven people, eight people to these meetings. Right. Which was hilarious. Yeah, it was... Uh, the best way, like, it was our first meeting to pitch one of these. We had the musician from our show strumming quietly the theme song from it as we walked through the cubicles to get <laughs> to the room where we were presenting. And the Holy group of the thing all God. sang it quietly. And it was our reps. All of our reps were also there. <laughs> and so there's a part in the theme song. Go listen to the podcast where everybody said, pow, like all the suits around us. And uh, then we sat down and uh, nearly sold the show. <laughs> It was great. That's it crazy. Was great. And that was, you know, that was the show we sold to Nickelodeon. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, but you guys are developing right now? Yes. Are you allowed to talk about it? We're not really allowed to talk about much, but but uh, we are we're collaborating with Matt Nix, and, mm-hmm. and we've been, we've been basically after Good Guys, it's been a long journey to figure out how to work together again. Sure. It's, we, we really, he's just an uh, amazing guy and a great writer and, and, so we worked out a deal. So on the Finder, we were able to develop with him uh, while we're working on the Finder, and it's just because of his schedule and our schedule. It's not been as focused as we would sure. think, all like. But yeah, sure. um, let me ask you about the Finder for a minute. <clears throat> Coming off of Good Guys, where you know you talked even today about how much uh, autonomy that even the lowest level writers are given with on Nix's show, um, was it? What is it like on the Finder? How is it different? Are you guys given that kind of freedom, or if not, you know, is that an adjustment for you? It is. It is different. I mean, I think the first on every show you're going to get you're going to get rewritten by the showrunner because they know the show better than anyone. Sure. It's their voice, and it's basically your job to supplement them and and, and solve problems for them. Um, and then I think every showrunner has a different amount that they that they're going to end up doing. Uh, and on the finer heart has a little heavier rewrite hand than than Matt did. Hmm. So for us, that was kind of an eye opening experience. You know, it's only our second job. You know, but I think probably heart the amount of rewriting heart does is probably more typical. I don't know. It's hard. I, I don't know. I think it varies. Yeah. But uh, it was interesting in that since it seems to me that like what heart really wants is a really solid you know a story with all the beats in it. The ways ins and out of scenes, you know, he wants that that really solid skeleton so that he can go through and give it voice. Hmm. Um, whereas the exercise of writing on the good guys was, we had you know broke the story 
a lot more with, I guess one of the differences is that um, Hart's not in the room very much. Yeah, that's actually the big sort of surprise to people is that Hart never comes into the writer's room. Um, and is it because he's producing? No, no, no. I think he 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 would, does not want to be there. And I really? think it's because he wants to see, rather than like, you know, you don't want to see sausage being made. Like the process that, that gets to an outline <laughs> is, you know, sometimes, and our show hasn't been too painful really, but some shows that you hear about it, just the break is, you know, torturous and people are arguing and everyone's fighting for their ideas. And eventually when all the dust settles, you have a, an outline. Mm-hmm. And really the outline is the part that Hart is most interested in. And he doesn't want to see the way that we got there. Hmm. That's actually the part that he he wants nothing to do with. Um, and so when we give him the outlines uh, for his, his first read, that's you know he knows the world of the episode. He knows like where you know basically the what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. But he does not. He's not part of that scene by scene um, sort of laying out the story. Uh, and we have our our co eps who are sort of in the room running the room. Hmm. You know, and people that you know he trusts. He trusts, obviously. of course. Yeah, it actually so works pretty like, well. Yeah, uh, yeah, it seems like it. And yeah, like I was saying, and then he sort of gives it the the voice and and gives his own. You know, he'll re redo your jokes and rearrange this. You know, sound of it. You know, which was kind of the opposite on the good guys, where um, the voice was a lot. A lot of the work and the rewriting that we had to do was to try to get the voices right. Oh, really? Um, you know, I think for all the writers, like because you know that's the <clears throat> the hard. You know. It, Matt Nix would, would have the vo- those voices, characters in his head perfectly, and then you would try to actualize that. And if you failed, he would sort of say, okay, that doesn't sound like right. the character. Try again. So you, try would, again. you would go so and do So we would do more rewrites. sort of drafts that way. So do you find yourself doing fewer rewrites on Finder scripts? Yeah. He, because Hart is rewriting them? Yeah. Interesting. And because your break is already strong because you're coming out of the room. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we've been pretty successful at giving him something that he's like, oh, good, this is right where I need it, so I can punch it up and, and, and maybe make a few adjustments, and then it's good to go. Yeah, whenever whenever you, uh, like, talk with Hart, the thing that's it's clear is that he just loves to write. Like, it's it's not – it never feels like – it's a it's it's a trial on his end. Like he can't he can't wait to hmm. get in and play yeah. in, in all the episodes and and because it's a first season show, the voice really he's the only one who knows what he wants to do. So mm-hmm. you, you try to get as close as you can. And if, if there's moments that aren't where he needs them, he definitely will he will tweak it around until you're like, oh, I see what he wanted to do there. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, interesting, intriguing. Like I have a sense that someday we get to have our own show. I I feel like I would maybe be the opposite, which is that I would want to be. To be the person in the room, you know, breaking the story, like that seems to me where the action is. And then as far as the actually putting the words in part, it's never been as interesting to me as the Mm -hmm. crafting of the story. So Mm -hmm. I don't know, but we'll see. Yeah, He's got a lot more shows than I do. (laughs) He he may know things that I don't. (laughs) Well, it's funny. I think a lot of people, and this has come up in the panels a lot recently, a lot of people don't realize that the actual writing of the script, the putting the words in, the putting the dialogue in, is like the least of... The writing, yeah, you know, it's, it's also it's so much more about breaking and yeah, it's 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 the it's the part that goes the fastest, yeah, and it's also the part that's the easy the e- much easier to change. Like you can mm-hmm. you can rewrite the dialogue easy, like making a, a skeleton work, making sure all the story beats fall and and land in the right place. That's hard, and if you start moving those around, like it could all fall apart in a heartbeat. But mm-hmm. you can you know, anyone can write dialogue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right? <laughs> anyone in this room. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Uh, almost anyone in this room. Um, but uh, I would say that also for in terms of Finder, we all of the, the writers are on set the whole time producing similar to mm-hmm. 
um, to good guys in that sense. Uh, you know, we, we, we were, were part of all the meetings, you know, one difference has been post, we post actually is got different. to be involved more in post-production and the good guys and actually sit in the editing room with the editors and, hmm. and as they're cutting the episode and refining it and getting all the timing right and the whatnot, which was a process that I really enjoy. I think it's pretty, it's actually the closest to writing. I think is the, is editing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've heard um, that. The, but, we have, uh, unlike good guys, we have a, a directing producer mm-hmm. on the finder and, and he seems to be like the one who is in the edit for all of the episodes, sort of keeping the tone consistent, keeping the pacing consistent. And that was something that when we started the job, we were hoping we would be a part of, but it's just, there's just not that we have, there's someone who actually has that job now. So we're like, ah, <laughs> oh, bummer. Cause we actually both <laughs> like that part. It's like, ah, oh, someone's getting paid to do that, I guess. All right. <laughs> um, do you want to talk Ben a little bit about, um, you know, supernatural was our first staffing experience. Uh, having developed on our own with various uh, studios and, and networks over the past six years, what was the uh, was it a crash course for you? What did you learn going into the supernatural uh, staff? And we should all I should also point out that like it's been sort of covered. Jeremy Carver talked about it uh, on the podcast about supernatural doesn't have a room. You know, he he talked about the way the show works, which is you, it's all independent study. You break your own stuff, and you know you're handed a story generally. But you that's, know, that's what it was like, <laughs> right? But did you? Uh, it was neat. It was learning about like all that outlining. Like we had to outline our first script. We had to outline five, six, seven times yeah. a script that then got tossed out because it was mythology monsters, and they didn't want to use them yet. So we had a different script that we had to outline a bunch of times. And each time it felt like we weren't doing our job unless we outlined the whole script. So yeah. in the first, you can't do it halfway. First two weeks of the show, we, we outlined 20, 30 scripts <laughs> and it felt like a boot camp. It felt like, um, taking apart your gun and putting it back together. Mm-hmm. And like, when you can do that blindfolded, you've gone to the next level. And like, it was, it was, it was a crash course in that, in how much we don't know about, that yeah. that writing we knew how to break our own stuff mm-hmm. pretty much mm-hmm. yeah that's true that's a good point and yeah and, and like and that was i mean that was that show is seeing like the ends of that kind of thing like to see ben edland uh microscope in on a detail of a story and say if you start here then it affects the story in this way or telescope out and say but if you start back here it affects the story in that way mm-hmm. and to see like a, a genius or a savant or something <laughs> do that and go, I, 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 my brain doesn't work that way. That's a place to get to, uh, mm-hmm. with, with that understanding of story and, and, and also his understanding of story involved, you know, what the show's capable of and the budget of things and sure. how many extras they're going to have and how many of them are going to be Canadian. Versus <laughs> how many, like that was the thing is like, you don't think about that. Watching television is like, yeah. Oh, all the monsters are guys with different colored contact lenses. <laughs> All right, so that's that's that right. uh, aspect of that, what we're going to have to pitch. Right, that limits your it limits the scope of your pitches, but it also gives you very specific parameters yeah. about you know how how can we still make this into a compelling or scary story, knowing that our villain or our monster is just going to be a guy with contact lenses, mm-hmm. right? Or a cool ghost, or a cool ghost. The thing which is, is what we wound up with. <laughs> the thing that's sort of interesting is that both of uh, the last two shows we worked on were first season shows so that we had in a weird way like you know in both ones our first script was in the first three or four episodes 
So no one really knows, yeah. including in some instance, you know, in some way, the, the creator, where he's still figuring out what we want to do. And you guys went into a show that has, you know, been on the air for many years and has a really, really detailed mythology. And uh, did you, have, did you just watch every minute of Supernatural <laughs> so you can go in there and pitch some story that they're like, we did that in season five, idiots. We, season we three. can tell the season story. <laughs> what happened was, uh, we, before our first interview, we watched all of the episodes available to us on Hulu mm-hmm. <laughs> so we could speak to the show. And then, uh, when we got the job, it was not a lot of time before it started, and they gave us all of the seasons on DVD. Yeah, so I but it was with, literally like a week and a half or something. Right, right. No, and I and it's and you were moving, right? <laughs> and Ben was moving. It's key to understand that I moved across town. Are you getting that? Right in. Uh, tweet us. So yeah, I started with well, we both watched the previous season, right. uh, and and I started with season one and, and went forward and. Ben started with season five and was going backwards and we were going to meet in the middle on season three, <laughs> but it was, you know, day two, we're supposed to pitch. So we had a bunch of ideas and they <laughs> all were season three ideas, which was the season we didn't have. And, uh, man, it just showed that we were on the right track. Like that was their, you know, golden season. People lo- like we are <laughs> fingers on the pulse of what is awesome about this show. Right. Uh, right? No? Okay. No? no. So, keep... When you brought this, so you pitched uh, an idea. So we pitched, yeah. And they said, a couple ideas, oh, do yeah. you mean like, you mean like the one we did yeah. in 2005? Uh, we, we heard or... the story of on a different show where people are jerkier. Uh, if you pitched a show uh, from another oh, season, right. then the sh- the person uh, holding the, the pitch meeting would just hold up the amount of fingers of the season of the show that you're pitching. Like if you yeah. pitch season just three, you should just fingers. hold up three fingers. Oh. And, and if, so, you, uh, if you pitch something from season one, you get a very specific <laughs> exactly. finger. Play. Um, yeah, you should have done your homework. Yeah. It's deserved. So, yeah, the, with that caveat, then they started doing that. Right. Oh, nice. <laughs> we knew it was ironic when they started doing it, but yeah. still, it stunk. Yeah. So I think that would, be, that would be hard, though, because I just feel like there's so much. Because I think yeah. even for people who probably work on the show, there are moments where you're like, do we do that already? Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. the guys who had been there for three years were pitching stuff, and then halfway through their pitch would realize, oh, we kind of did something yeah. similar. But here's what's two. different. Right. They yeah. could at least pitch and here's what's different. They do have a person or two that you can go, have they done uh, dryads yet? Right. Yes or no, or they don't <laughs> They do not do dryads. Yeah. It's too fairy. <laughs> Between the writer's assistant and, like, uh, whatever that guy I don't know what that guy's <laughs> I hope he's not listening. I'm sure he's not. Um yeah, so there were people who knew the history of the show. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, a seven, seven seasons where it's 24 episodes or 23 episodes every season because yeah. it's CW or Warner Brothers. Before that, there, those were, there were a lot of stories already told. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I'd be fearful going into that again. Or I would at least do, do the homework. In, uh, it did seem hard. Yeah, it seems tricky. I know as we were starting Good Guys, we had, we had a, a, a fantastic writer's assistant who... Just because of the way that room was run, everyone was very, you know, a self-starter that he didn't have a lot to do sometimes. So we would come up with things for him to do. And I remember one time we were, you know, on the show, Bradley Whitford's character would tell all these absurd stories of his, of his, like the heyday when his character was like this super cop. And, uh, and so when they, and then we tried to make the most absurd, you, you, you only ever heard part of the story. You know, uh, uh, when he would tell them, you never would get the whole context, just enough to be some absurd case that he was working on. And after about five episodes, we realized if the show succeeds, we're going to need to keep track <laughs> of all of these absurd stories in one place so that, we're, so that we don't have like a double up or maybe we could use it. So we had yeah. him going through the – culling through the scripts and, 
and uh, assembling a insane Excel document that track all of Bradley Whitford's ramblings into one into one Bible. That's awesome. <laughs> that is amazing. Um, did you coming on to these two first year shows? Did you feel that you were a part of the conversation uh, in creating? You know what what the show would be like, what the season would be like. That's a tricky question. I think yes and no. I mean, I think. Um, in both cases, like the the creator, you know, absolutely knows the show that they want to make, and and as that process goes, the networks will have notes that will tweak it, and and those notes are not normally going to the whole room. It's just the creator mm-hmm. who's hearing that sort of stuff. Um, but once the room starts working on the season, it feels like we're in both cases we were a part of the conversation of. Where do we want to go, and what mm-hmm. does the season look like? For sure, I mean, it was that's part of the. This show, the finder was more like it. Uh, we actually had a whole week where we kind of talked about the characters on a non-episode basis, like really, like what, who are these people? Where do we think we want to go with them um, right off the bat? And both Wade and I, it's something that we loved a lot uh, that the finder did. And on on the good guys, we just were, because it was such a strange show, we kind of jumped right in, and we didn't have that sure. luxury. We were already like two scripts behind by the time, you know, it's like, right, right. We have to keep breaking story. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have the the benefit of really getting to be like, where do we want mm-hmm. Colin's character to be in mm-hmm. 20 episodes from now? Yeah, I think the writers, you know, in the first season are together defining the world. And, you know, I guess all along, all along the way, you're, you're making those decisions that are going to affect later seasons and everything. So I, I felt pretty involved to be a part of it. And every situation that we've been in, like there hasn't been really a, too much of a hierarchy with the writers. Like everybody who's there and is on the hmm. staff is kind of, you're kind of equal around the table, even That's if right. you're not so equal, you know, technically. <laughs> um, and by which I mean money. Uh, <laughs> just the way the TV business works, you know, everybody, and I think, I think that's a, it's kind of up to the showrunner how it works on that front. But we've been lucky that the people that we've worked for have sort of said, okay, let's let the best ideas win. And, sure. Yeah, and your know, ideas think, are as valid as you know, yeah. the executive producers. Yeah, and I think the trick is just making sure that your what I call your your batting average is high. Like you're not going to get a hit every time you pitch something. In fact, most of the time it will not. Whatever you, something that you pitch is not going to stick to the board. But the trick is just to have like a you know a good enough average so that you can when you're when you're pitching stuff and when you're saying stuff that mm-hmm. the other, they're not like shut up staff writer. The, <laughs> the, other, the other thing that helps a lot is that. Uh, uh, having one of the two of us have the pen, because then it seems like a lot of ideas make it on the board, because uh, we can kind of control either bring the board or hold the pen. Exactly, exactly. That's a, do you do that? Does one of you write on the board in the room? Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, we we actually there's not any. We everyone takes turns doing it. It mm-hmm. depends on literally. Actually, when this show started with the finder, it I don't know who I can't remember who started with the pen. But it was clear that their handwriting was so terrible that they would lose they would lose pen uh, detail. <laughs> so it's like, no, no, let's have someone who can, you know, write clearly and uh, you know, funny. Um, let's uh, let's talk about TV for a minute. Uh, oh my god, what have we been talking about so far? Did I just black out? <laughs> I think we've been talking about TV the entire time. We've been talking about television. We're going to take yeah, it a little gonna, bit We're going to get seriously. crass. Okay, I'm going to dissociate about this. <laughs> what have you worked on? <laughs> I understand you're television writers. Right. Actually, I'm moving. What does Can that mean? <laughs> 
Listen, people move, okay? <laughs> I'm being, like, the audience is really connecting with my character. <laughs> Advice to young writers. Get your deposit back. Okay. <laughs> this is going off Check the rails. What, 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 about, what, about, what about television? Should we talk about? Uh, what are you guys watching? Right now I'm watching uh, Homeland. That's oh, the, right. Was, yeah. It's really good. It's really good. It's really good. Why? Well, I feel like it's sort of risen above everything else that's on. Like it's the only thing that I really genuinely look forward to every week. Uh, now that a few things have ended, but yeah, uh, I, I yeah, cause I, I feel like in our at least in Wade and I have such different uh, lives right now because he he is a father and has his TV time has been. I can't believe you're not just talking about that. I know. <laughs> um, but I, so I watch a lot of TV, and I, and I feel like because it's our business, and I try to watch a little bit of everything, and, yeah. and absolutely, Ho- Homeland has been one that's been really. I waited to watch it too. For some reason, I was like, I'm not sure I'm going to enjoy it, and. Uh, I, so I didn't. I had it like stacked up on the TV. When when I finally started watching it, I was like, "Wow, this is as good as all of those reviews that what? told me it was really <laughs> awesome." And I don't know why I didn't watch it right away. What is it that appeals to you, though? Uh, I think it's <clears throat> because it exists on a cable network where they can they can tell story different than you know we're on on Fox, and so we're doing a, a you know we have more we have act breaks mm-hmm. we have um, just to- tonally we can't do that type of storytelling. Um, and there's nothing wrong with either one. It's just such a different. It's such exciting to watch a show where you can, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, the episode is one hour long. Like there's not ever a uh, an act break. That's just like we literally think about every story with act breaks. Sure. Why are you laughing? I like the idea. Why do you like Homeland? Because there's no act breaks. <laughs> That's not the reason. You are you are. Uh, how dare you? <laughs> no, it's the it's the I think too many the, commercials. That's why I like. Oh, it. I'm gonna be quiet now. Wade, why do you like Homeland? Because it's not Yo Gabba Gabba. <laughs> I'm watching a lot of Dora the Explorer. I'm watching Blue's sure. Clues. How are their act breaks? I'm watching the Wonder Pets. Do you find that the cartoons focus on good act breaks for the kids? No. They, they don't. don't. They don't do They don't go breaks. out on a high note. You don't, you're not going to get the kid back after the act break. So it's one. It's beginning, middle, end, which they do really well. Right. Um yeah, I haven't been watching a whole lot of TV. Actually, what, what I've been getting excited about lately is Parenthood, of all things, which I hadn't really? watched until recently. Is it because you relate now? It is. It's totally <laughs> cliche. You couldn't get it before. It is cliche. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that that is why, but I think it's just actually a good, soft kind of drama, which mm-hmm. I do kind of like. Well, Kadams absolutely knows what he's doing in that, that milieu, you know, but you've been getting into it too, right? A little bit. Did you start at the beginning or did you start like crazy? No, I just jumped right into season whatever it is right now. Uh, yeah. No, I watched some of it. I got in. Uh, but I like Homeland. Do you want to talk about Homeland? <laughs> Let's hear about it. Because we've talked about it a little bit. Yeah. No, I like that like you don't have to know what's going on. Like as they don't have to explain to you what's mm-hmm. what's happening all the time and that they can like mislead the viewer and uh, it doesn't feel like they're going to take it back to this relatable and vanilla place that a lot of mm-hmm. uh, TV characters have to be to uh, appeal their quotes. Yeah. Can, I, can I tell you what I like about Homeland, even though I've never seen it? <laughs> yes, you may. Here's what I like about Homeland, and uh, it is that uh, you don't you you don't know what's going to happen next. And I mm-hmm. feel like on so many shows these days, like especially because we spend our lives trying to write TV and studying TV, like it's pretty easy at the end of the first act to know kind of the whole, the whole way the whole thing is going to play out. And what I assume Homeland is, having never seen it, <laughs> you're correct. Keep going. Is that it is, uh, you know, you're just kind of 
they've gone, they've, they've set the rules aside and are kind of doing something fresh feeling or new feeling. Which yeah, is, there's a momentum those are the shows, thing. Yeah. Those are the shows I get excited about, and that's the kind of thing I would watch <clears throat> if I ever had any freaking time. There's no, there's no state of grace. Like, they don't end up at the place they start yeah. to then do it again the next week. Yeah, which even, yeah. I mean, even cable shows will do that. Like, I think people tend to fall back on that because it's comforting or I don't, I don't know, but no, you disagree? No, no, no. I don't know that we need to accuse people. <laughs> no, I, I, I think it's a perfectly valid form of television. And obviously that's what the most successful forms of television are. But these shows that where you are never quite comfortable are certainly more, I think, more compelling to watch. You know? Are you watching uh, Adventure Time? It's a I kid know. show. Oh, I haven't seen it's Adventure really Time. It's really fun. Oh, yeah? Yeah, check it out. It's on the Cartoon Network. Well, I'll have to look for that. We'll see if it scares my daughter. That's the test. That's <laughs> Does fair. she get scared by TV? Yeah. She's she's scared. This is a weird thing to be scared of, but she's really scared of anytime there's a person and it's just their face in front of a completely white background. Because at first she was just terrified of the the DJ Lance on Yo Gabba Gabba, <laughs> who, if you're familiar with Yo Gabba Gabba, is a little bit terrifying. Like He has sure. a funny yellow orange hat and he's like a little... He's, it's weird, and he's much larger than the other little creatures on that show. So we're like, oh, she's afraid because he's so huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there was like a Sprint commercial or something, and it's a guy just standing in front of a white, that the, the pretty T-Mobile girl. She like doesn't right. want to be part of that. I don't know what it is. If you're standing in front of a white screen, my daughter runs into the other room. That's so weird. How funny. That's what this this podcast is supposed to be about, right? Yeah. What my daughter is yeah. watching on television. Well, it's, we're going to talk in a minute about what you're afraid of. Oh, I see. <laughs> the void. <clears throat> what yeah. else am I watching? What else are you watching? What else am I watching? Uh, Downton Abbey. Right. So good. Have you watched that? No, I have not watched that. <laughs> Sorry. You're not under, under indictment. <laughs> I apologize. Are you afraid of it? No, I've heard it's good. I've heard it's great. I know. I haven't gotten to it either. But my my biggest uh... problem is I don't have enough time. I mean, I have more time than, than Wade does. Right. Uh, being childless. <laughs> <laughs> but We've been watching. By law. Right? By law. <laughs> my British show at the moment has been uh, Sherlock. Right. Yeah. Skip that second episode, everyone. <laughs> no, I, I like totally, I completely disagree with you, man. There's only like three episodes. Yeah. 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 And you're going to skip. The worst one. No, no, no. <laughs> well, the other two are just so amazingly brilliant. I don't hate Asians. That's why I say skip that second episode. I'm not as scared of them. They, I don't believe they all know Kung Fu. Uh, the second episode is just a stereotype parade. I feel like you're trying to be really open-minded in what you're saying, but instead you're just coming off as really racist. I don't, <laughs> I don't know why that is. <laughs> well, well he just right moved. Through. He just moved. Leave him alone. <laughs> Yeah, I like. I liked all three. I liked all, th- and, and I believe the new season starting soon. soon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very excited. I kind of feel like every show on network TV right now is just Sherlock Holmes. So it's kind of yes. a good thing to be watching, like a really good version yeah. of uh, that. Next season too, there's like five Sherlock Holmes coming. Are there? I think. Oh yeah, well, I think you're right. Yeah. But the the uh, American TV is doing a kind of Sherlock thing. Hmm. Uh, but did House kick this off? Is that what happened? Yeah, I think so. It seems like it. Um, uh, Walking Dead. Walking Dead, I'm all right. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like it, and I'll watch like Homeland, it? and then I'll be like, I prefer Homeland. What are your reservations with it, though? Because I, th- I feel like they're the same ones mine are, but I can't really articulate them. Because I really love the show. I yeah, really like it. I enjoy it. watching it when I'm watching yeah. it. And it. I just, like, it's what I wish it were, I guess, which is not a fair way to judge a mm-hmm. show. But it's like, I wish the characters were a little better drawn. A little more complex. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then the, the monsters would attack. And sure. During scenes where people are trying to communicate. Yeah. 
But yeah. like, it's still, I mean, it's neat and it's doing something different. Yeah. It's I mean, I love that it takes its time. Yeah. It's not, it's not hurrying you through. I mean, that's what I really loved about the killing too, which I know, you know, like was divisive in the end, but like, I, I love how slow and deliberate that story was told and is being told. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Walking Dead is sort of doing the same thing. Yeah. I mean, I guess Mad Men does too. I guess all those AMC shows kind of have that same deliberateness to their storytelling, which is appealing. It's something different. You know? Um, did you watch the Western one? I it's haven't a, seen it. I, I, I saw the, the pilot. Yeah, I watched the pilot. Yeah. It's, I, I, you know, it's, I, I, I want it to be awesome. Like it's, <laughs> the pilot was a pilot and, and it was, yeah. It looks great. And it looks beautiful. Yeah, it's like I, I, I think all of us are looking for the replacement to Deadwood. Like uh, mm-hmm. we all have mourned Deadwood and <laughs> want there to be another Deadwood, and and I hope this one becomes that because mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, we all it's so sad. No Deadwood. <laughs> yeah, I haven't really seen many reviews of it either, mm. but I also haven't sought them out. Um, uh, comedies are back. Yes. Are you watching comedies? I am. I, I'm, I'm told comedies are back. They are. I've only added one more to the ones I watch. I, I will say this. I, I'm gonna. Uh, there's lots of great ones on there. I'm loving Happy Endings. I think Happy Endings is really fun. really. Yeah, it is. I look forward. I to I watched it. some of the first season. Uh, I'll have to revisit it. Yeah, it's they, they've just managed to get really great actors, and the and the writing is very sharp and and weird. Mm-hmm. Just the right level of weird. I just I look forward to it. It makes me smile the whole way through. What would you compare it to that has been on in the past? What's what's the vibe of the show? Always, always sunny, right? No, I think it's more like it's a it's a weird it's like Friends. That's a single camera. I mean, that's it's mm-hmm. that feeling. But is it's, it that kind of humor? I mean, it strikes me as if it's weird, it might have some Scrubs to it. Yeah, maybe. that would be the next closest. But Scrubs would go like into mm-hmm. like dream. Like they would allow you know Zach Braff to have a dream mm-hmm. where he's like riding an elephant or something. This isn't that weird, but uh, it just has its own very unique. Maybe it's a mix of Friends and like How I Met Your Mother. Mm-hmm. Which is also has a little bit of a, a unique, yeah. weird, um, very distinct verbal tone to mm-hmm. it. Um, That's true. But yeah, I, I look forward to it. it makes Are me you happy. watching Happy Endings? Uh, yeah. A bit. Yeah. yeah. Keep my hand in. <laughs> See what people are doing. Uh, I like Parks and Rec. I like yeah. Community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll be the guy that says it. Yeah. Oh, I like those two shows. <laughs> all, Sorry, those, all those are great. Yeah. Great. All, yeah. There are a lot of good comedies. There are. New girls really I love great. the new girl. Yeah. Um, and I like, I think Up All Night is finding oh, up all night, its yeah. voice. I like that too. You know, yeah. I, I think they're kind of figuring out what, what works and what doesn't. Yeah. And those three actors are fantastic. Very funny. Yeah. Um, Steve Carell left the office this year. That was, This was in my entertainment. Breaking stories around breaking stories. <laughs> this was, uh, oh, this will go out next year. <laughs> uh, this is my entertainment news roundup. Have you picked up the office? Are you watching yes. it this year? Yes. Uh, and how do you feel about it? Uh, still enjoy it. Still enjoy it. I, I like. It's just a fun. They've created a good world, and, and I yeah. mean, I think he's missed. Everyone misses him. You'll never be able to replace that energy because he was sure. so great. But it's great. Like I, we watched actually just last night. I caught up on a couple uh, that had been on the TiVos, and still fun. Like it's the writing's fun, and and I was thinking this week as I was watching it that yeah. I didn't miss him. Yeah, I like me too. I like this new guy. Yeah. Between Robert California and uh, Helms, like mm-hmm. they're they've introduced uh, that's his name, right? <laughs> they've introduced you know different. Is that, you're talking about James Spader? Yes. Oh yeah, he's he's hilarious. Yeah, they've introduced different uh, characters to not fill that void, but to fill out the world a little yeah. bit. It yeah, more like. more strong comedies should follow the NYPD Blue example. Yeah, lose a character, but the workplace still exists. <laughs> mm-hmm. Totally, yeah. it didn't like, work on Scrubs. 
Yes. I kind of feel like with The Office that they've always been good for individual funny moments. Like in any episode, mm-hmm. there's always laugh out loud moments, which mm-hmm. is, you know, that's not nothing in comedy. Like that's kind yeah, of what you tune in for. Uh, and then sometimes, but not all the time, they really nail it as far as a really well structured story or getting like some emotion in there or something where I'm just like, okay, that episode really came together as a whole. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, um, and this, I don't know, I haven't researched this or anything, but I feel like with, with, without Steve Carell, they've continued to provide all of the funny moments, that kind of stuff, but maybe have had fewer that all the episodes were kind of works together as a whole. And, you know, that, sure. that character was such a tricky blend of the really broad and also like, we could get those emotional he had stories. He so much or, heart. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah I, I mean, know. they don't and have... also, and it's not their fault. Like, the, for a long time, you had the sort of Jim and Pam yeah. stuff, and then now they're having to, to replace that, I think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, it's much more of an ensemble, and that's harder to find that emotional through line, you know, unless you're just going to pick a character at random, which it can't be Ed Helms every week, you know. Right. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. It'll be curious to see how it goes if it continues another few seasons, which I'm sure it will. Have you heard of the show Modern Family? It's also pretty good. Oh, yes. I, I feel like nobody talks about Modern Family because we all take it for granted. Like, yes, obviously we all love Modern yeah, Family. This is the problem with this like, this kind of discussion of like, what you're watching. is like I always feel like I forget. And then someone says, like, Modern Family? Yeah. Of course. Yes. yes. Of course. Yes. It's brilliant. It's, it's flawless. It's really, like, really fun. Every episode is amazing. Is that what you're getting at? Yeah. <laughs> what, hold on. You hate Modern Family? I oh, like Asian who, people. <laughs> oh, for God's sake. Don't watch the second one, right? That's what <laughs> you guys, I'm moving. <laughs> Stop picking on me. I'm moving. <laughs> uh, and is there anything that we're looking forward to in this next year? No. Either professionally Absolutely not. or in our entertainment lives? <laughs> watching or being watched by television. Yeah. This will be the we're in a position actually as the new year starts where our show we will be almost done with production on the first 13 episodes of The Finder before we have even aired. How many did they pick up? 13? Uh 13, yeah. Wow. So so we're in a sort of position where starting in January they'll start airing it and then so until then we don't even know what our, our you know either it does well which we're hoping because it's a really fun group of people and a great cast and mm-hmm. and uh if that happens and presumably we would continue working on it uh, if it doesn't make it as many shows don't then we're back into the staffing pool so mm-hmm. which would be terrible it would be terrible <laughs> for us <laughs> we can't go up against you guys but- uh <laughs> I think we've only interviewed for the same, same job once, and you got the job. Yeah. So maybe, maybe that ends the rivalry. I, I forgot you guys went in for Supernatural. Also, like yeah. they are above you. <laughs> we, are, we are staff writers, That's and they true. are not anymore. Um, one other thing that I, I you may, may or may not want to talk about is um, the internet is getting into the television game. Between Netflix is now, uh, they've picked up a couple of shows, but also these 100 YouTube channels. Uh, of which Nerdist has one. Um, does this excite you? Do you not care? Are you looking at this as a model for telling stories, or are you sticking to television? Has it even crossed your mind? Let me answer your question with a question. <laughs> Can I answer that? <laughs> Maybe. What? With uh, I've been working. What hundred YouTube channels? <laughs> Do you know anything about this? No, I was just smiling and nodding like I knew what he was talking about. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Script magazine cover story. And you don't know about it. No. You you wrote this cover story. <laughs> That's possible. 
uh, variant covers. We, we've been in it was Gonzo journals. What what is what are you talking about? I'm curious. It sounds interesting. Uh, you. you <laughs> You know oh, the boy. internet, right? I've heard it's of it. It's an elaborate series of tubes, if I'm not mistaken. YouTube has, uh, <laughs> is forming channels, essentially, okay. uh, in the way that television has channels. Okay. And they've, uh, I, would, I, I would say given these channels, but that's not quite the process, but uh, 100 or so different entities uh, have taken responsibility to produce content for these channels. Um, Financed content. How yeah. how is it different than YouTube already? Like, aren't there already channels? Like, what 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 is? Is it just the financing? Yes, they're gonna. It is. It is mostly the financing. Okay. They're gonna operate more like tev- television channels do. Where, for example, Nerdist has teamed with the Henson Company and Broadway Video and someone else um, mm-hmm. to become the production house for a series of short or long form shows, whatever they want to put on, whatever they want to fill the air on their channel with. Uh, and likewise, like Frederator, we talked to, is doing animated things. Uh, again, they're doing short form for now, but you know the the idea is to fill their channel with shows. You're Felicia Day and Will Wheaton. Your proven mm-hmm. internet entities are getting I see. the opportunity to mm-hmm. create content. Will this content be protected by a guild? That I don't know. I'm okay. curious to find that out. If, if the answer is no, I guess I'm skeptic. I'm nervous mm-hmm. about it. I yeah, sort of I agree. feel like you know. We don't want to be doing it for free. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a time when we made internet content, Wade and I, mm-hmm. for nothing. Actually, we didn't. We, we got paid $50. Yeah, we talked about that uh, on the panel that you right. did. Yeah. We did get to talk about it. Um, yeah, and I think this is a different animal than that where they are courting advertising and there is money behind it. And there are also these, you know, besides the proven nerd entities, there are these uh, very specific uh, – there's a gardening channel, there's a cooking channel, there's, mm. you know – The jocks. <laughs> Well, I do know that uh, <laughs> the that gardening jocks. It's. I'll be curious. You know, as as I feel like it's too early to tell, really. But it does seem like sure. with the, uh, you know, like right now, I don't watch a lot of internet stuff mm-hmm. on my television. I mm-hmm. still have a television, and I, know, and I know a lot of people don't have TVs, and if they watch all of their content mm-hmm. only on their computers or their iPads, uh, I'm not. The, I still like my TV. So it's you know, in a world where you can like I can stream my Netflix. Stuff, so mm-hmm. I probably would watch that show. Mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't watch a TV show sitting at my computer, mm-hmm. you know, unless I was on vacation or something, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Away from it, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> this guy knows, <laughs> you know, you've moved a lot. Your TV hasn't been hooked up. It's not vacation. <laughs> I don't know what you think moving is like, but it is no vacation, sir. <laughs> oh my god. Well, thank you guys for being here. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we got to the bottom of a lot of things. Yeah, this was fun. I think we did. We talked about a lot of things that we knew about and you... a lot of things that we knew nothing about. <laughs> yeah. Other than the and... YouTube thing, I, you know, I think it's fun to hear uh, actually about you. Uh, the, you know, we know each other, not in a podcast sense. <laughs> we and know each other off pod. Off pod. But yeah, there's a lot of things we've actually never talked about, which I thought yeah. was pretty, pretty interesting. That's really why I wanted to do it. I wanted yeah. to catch up with you guys. Yeah. Uh, what things? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any further questions? No. Not, not now, but I might Do you later. Have, actually, this I, this is something we can kind of go out on, but, uh, you know, we get a lot of writers who are just starting out, but who, you know, are making some headway, as we did, you know, a few years ago. Do you have advice either that you wish you had heard at that time um, for these people or, do you, or advice that you never heard that maybe mm-hmm. you think is valuable uh, that you can offer to our listeners? 
Wade, you're, you're very good at advice. Do you have any? You're very wise. You are wise. Wade, you like advice. My problem is that I heard really good advice, but I heard it on the Nerdist Writers Podcast. <laughs> so it would just what be was like it? a rehash. We can it rehash. Was, um, I forget who was saying it, but I think they were quoting Amy Poehler saying that uh, her advice was to come to L.A. to not buy anything or expect to have any money or really eat very much and just do your thing. And if you do it well for about 10 years, eventually your friend will give you a job. <laughs> and uh, I think that's right. As soon as I heard yeah. it, like I was like on the 405, so I just stopped immediately <laughs> causing a traffic jam. Um, no, I was already stopped. But uh, <laughs> the part, Have I you heard it, Wade's like, traffic chunk? <laughs> it's amazing. It's hilarious. Oh, moving traffic and babies, Wade <laughs> yes. and Ben's podcast. But I think that's right. And I think what it comes down to is that um, it's not just like, Oh, your friend will give you a job. It's like a, you know, like a buddy thing. It's like it does kind of take somebody who knows somebody and that little chain will work its way through the talented and uh, together people. My other advice is always like, can you get yourself in your life somewhere where that you are happy such that you can actually do this stuff? Because if you are mm -hmm. unhappy because you, you know, your marriage is falling apart or you can't pay your rent or you're moving or just whatever it is. Uh, if you're <laughs> moving was situation. the best thing that could have happened. <laughs> okay, that one was that one, that one, that one might have been wrong. <laughs> if you need to move but can't, that's a problem. But okay, so you need to move uh, is what we've learned here. And then if, you're, if you're in a happy situation, then mm -hmm. you're in the chance to be, you know, having this sort of, have your, doing your thing and doing it well and have this positive uh momentum going so that your friend you're the friend that they say hey i can use that guy yeah i think that that's really important and that actually hasn't come up a ton this thing about you know balance your life a bit you know everything can't be riding on this and if you're happy in the other point of your life it makes this work frustrating frustrating as it can be fun well thank you guys thank you ben this was wonderful <laughs> Now leaving Nerdist.com.